0: The Grenfell Tower disaster is a disaster, right? and families of those who lost their lives and the families of the, the local residents want to see change. The reason why people felt that things were not being done properly was because procurement wasn't happening in the right way at any stage of the either build or maintenance of a, of a
1: building. On a summer night in June of 2017, a fire broke out in the 24-story Grenfell Tower Apartment Building in West London. Apparently, a fire in a kitchen appliance turned into an inferno as it spread to the exterior walls and shot up between an inner wall and a layer of exterior cladding. Seventy-two people died, and more than 70 others were injured. It was the deadliest structural fire in the United Kingdom in nearly 30 years. Not surprisingly, there were many inquiries after the tragedy to determine ways to prevent anything like it to ever occur again. One of them, led by Dame Judith Hackett, entitled Building a Safer Future, identified failings in procurement competency that may have contributed to the disaster. With us today is Duncan Brock, FCIPS, Chartered Professional and Group Director at SIPS. He was selected to chair one of the 13 working groups as part of the effort to propose new competencies for people involved in procurement for higher-risk residential buildings, HRRBs. Welcome, Duncan. I'm glad you could join us. Hi,
0: Bobby. great to be here, and uh, thanks for inviting me to join this, uh, this this discussion.
1: Well, there were 13 separate working groups looking at ways to improve the safety of high-risk residential buildings. What precisely was the focus of your working group?
0: Oh, as you said in your introduction, from the... Dame Judith Hackett's um, inquiry and the report that she published there was, a sp- there was a focus on competence and what was interesting is it looked across the whole spectrum of all the professions that would be involved in both constructing and uh, maintaining a residential building. Initially that focus looked at things like fire risk assessors and architects and designers and uh, project managers But it soon became very clear that no one was looking at procurement. And uh, that the reason why people felt that things were not being done properly was because procurement wasn't happening in the right way at any stage of the build or maintenance of a a building. So we were then asked to chair this working group uh, looking at procurement competence and to really look at why it is that in the construction sector, uh, and more specifically for high-rise buildings, why is it the procurement isn't being done in the way that you'd expect it to be done in other sectors? And we were tasked with looking at the competencies, looking at what they should be versus what they are today, and recommending what should be done to change how procurement is done in the construction sector going forward so that we don't have another disaster of the magnitude of Grenfell ever again in well in the UK but also in other parts of the world
1: so uh, as i understand it the construction industry is a sector that has often struggled to apply good procurement practices so what are the factors that make it so difficult what are the obstacles
0: i have been very surprised, I don't know, Surprise is probably the wrong word here, disappointed is probably a better word, of how poor procurement is in the construction sector. Uh, I've worked in many sectors across the world in, uh, over the years that I've been in procurement, and some of the procurement practices that take place in construction are unbelievable. Um, there seems to be a total lack of trust down through the supply chain. Um, and the delay to payments so cash flow becomes a problem and not only is cash flow a problem but margins are extremely tight or in a lot of cases negative there's been lots of studies done in the aftermath of Grenfell about the average profit margin that the major contractors have in the construction sector in the UK and the average profit margin is somewhere between zero and minus one percent so there is therefore lack of cash and lack of money as in profit and that then drives people to cut corners to substitute to look at ways of doing things um more i suppose cost effectively is one description or cheaper is another description to uh, operate within uh, a, a, an envelope of money and therefore people are uh, look for ways to cut corners and they would compromise quality and therefore compromise safety uh, on behalf of um, commercial gain. And so this race to the bottom on lowest price decision-making seems to just become a a culture that most people are struggling to break out of. But because it's a competitive uh, marketplace, and that's how people get selected, then that drives a certain way of responding to bids and tenders that, that, that continues to... Uh, drive that view of price, price, price over and above everything else. And clearly the disaster at Grenfell uh, was a number of factors that led to it. But at some stage, people were making decisions that compromised specification and compromised installation purely based on going for the lowest cost bid. Um, And I think before Grenfell and before the disaster that happened, then I don't think people were addressing this challenge.
1: So what is the outcome your working group hoped for in, in a sense, what was your deliverable? What, what do you, what, what's the framework or what's the, what's the report? What's the final set of recommendations that you're gonna have? And one of the things that came very cl- clear very quickly is that when you say to people, so who
0: is doing procurement in this sector? then you suddenly find out that actually there's very few people who are procurement professionals do procurement. It is lots of people who all think they can do procurement. And it seems to be okay that they have a go and they work within a framework, but it's all right. And what's become clear is that those people who are doing it are doing it in the way that they've always known how to do it, which is tender lowest price squeeze the supplier as tight as you can squeeze the cash out of the system because that's what has always happened and therefore that's what you do um so what our key recommendation is that at every stage of decision making through the construction phase of a new building and when you're then doing any work on a new building that if there's anything to do with procurement it should be done by somebody who is a competent procurement professional now, that doesn't sound like a major breakthrough, does it? I mean, that doesn't sound like we're, we're setting the world alight in terms of, of recommendation. But I have to say to you, that has taken quite a long time to get to a point where that recommendation has been agreed by this this group, this working group and by other people across the sector as being a fundamental change. It's not good enough that people have a go at doing procurement. So if you're in another sector, let's take automotive, would anyone in automotive... Decide it's okay to go and buy something and then stick it into a car. No, it would go through a proper structured procurement process with proper competent procurement people Doing the procurement and the market and putting the contracts and managing the suppliers. So why Doesn't that happen in construction? And therefore our core recommendation is this there should be a procurement lead on every at every stage of the work that person has to be fully competent and we're, going to u- we're using the SIPs global standard as the framework for that. We have adapted it. So we have taken some of the generic framework and we made it specific for the construction sector and specifically for high-rise buildings. And then ultimately, this person would have to be accredited so that they have to then be able to prove that they are competent to the level that we are specifying in the new framework. And that's the final piece that actually then means that if you are a resident uh, or you're running a, a high-rise building and someone says, okay, you know, here's the procurement person who's going to buy the cladding and the installation process for the cladding, then you as the person running the building should be able to turn around and say, well, does, does he or she know what they're doing? You know, where is their accreditation to prove that they understand fire they understand risk, they understand safety of, of individuals, and they are taking that into account when they're making decisions on who to choose for the installation. And that the person also is asking the right questions of things like specification. You know, is that cladding approved to be fully fire resistant? Is that fire door that's there that someone said is okay? Is it actually a fire door or is it a cheap knockoff that someone bought from someone um, from somewhere else in the world and it looks all right and it sort of meets the specification? So we need people to be asking the right questions all the way down through the process. So that's the core fundamental change. And I said, it doesn't sound like a major change, but it surprised me in the construction sector how big a shift it is to move away from the technical people whether you're a quantity surveyor or an architect or you're an advisor who seem to be everywhere, uh, that those people are doing the procurement. And actually, it needs to be a proper, competent procurement professional who does the procurement at every stage.
1: So how do you uh, bring a safety-first culture change? Um, How do you incorporate that into the competencies, into the skills that are a uh, procurement lead would bring to the table. How does safety play into that? And how do you ensure that in, in the skill set that a, a procurement lead would have?
0: Well, one of the areas that we have to do there is work with the other uh, industry bodies. And the safety first mentality isn't just a procurement challenge. No, it's, a, it's a challenge across the sector. So one of the things the government is doing is trying to raise that as a topic and education and and building knowledge and insight around that is, is, it has to be across the whole sector and across all professions. Therefore, whatever's put in place around that procurement will have to be a part of that. They have to understand it. They have to be able to ask the right questions. So I'm not, I don't think that's something that we can necessarily influence ourselves as a working group, but I do know that the central government departments involved and I'm also part of the Construction Industry Council, and there's discussions there around how we get that going through. So there are a lot of people very focused on bringing the same focus to life safety as there is to the health and safety of the workers. We've done a really good job at improving health and safety for workers working on sites. Uh, we know how to do that now. So bringing that same focus to life safety, the safety of the residents living in these buildings, is, is what's going on. So governments with the various bodies across the sector will be bringing the focus. And then the procurement people need to be obviously fully aware of what needs to happen and therefore what questions to ask to make sure the things are done properly, but also how to build it into proper decision making.
1: What sort of evidence or suggestion do you get or feeling that you get that uh, all this is going to work or have a significant difference in the long run?
0: The Grenfell Tower disaster is a disaster right? and
1: the 72
0: people who died um, and the 70 people who were injured and the families of those who lost their lives and the families of and the, the local residents want to see change. And the disaster is focusing people's minds on what needs to change. And uh, because of the disaster and because of the focus from government and because of the focus on the inquiry, then we have to implement some changes. I've seen quite a significant shift in the language used since Grenfell that people recognise that this cannot carry on being the right way to do things in this sector. And whether it's building new buildings or it's refurbishing and retrofitting existing buildings, that it isn't the right thing to do to go for lowest um, cost or lowest price bid, that you need to take into account health and safety of workers, life safety of residents, quality, service, sustainability, all those factors have to come into a decision and not—and that therefore is a proper balanced decision-making process that you'd expect to see in other sectors. And it is, start, it is coming from the top. The ministers, the, um, the government departments that we've been working with get it and understand the need to change, but it's a cultural change. And you don't change culture overnight. You have to shine the light on those areas where it is going well and where a construction project has gone well and it's coming on time and it's coming on cost and it's delivered all the value it needs to be done. And also, at the same time, shine the light on those areas of the sector that still have to get their act together. And that's what we're trying to do now is to move from The discussion about how things should change to how we now start to implement the recommendations that all the working groups that have been working on this are coming up with, along with governments who are looking to make some legislative changes to drive some of the cultural change that needs to happen.
1: Well, it is fascinating that um, the traditional role of procurement is, you know, save money, save money, save money. And yet, here you're involved in these two projects where it's all about much bigger, much broader issues that are world changers.
0: And, you know, great to be a part of. You know, (laughs) you you feel at at times you get very frustrated that you're not going fast enough on it because we're only a small organization. But then you do see that, back to your question of how will you know when you made a difference? Well, you'll start to see some changes happening. And, uh, you know, probably well beyond when my time at SIPs is finished, there'll be others who will continue to drive this agenda forward and have the sort of passion to do, to do it. It, it, it. The phrase we've used a few times is either procurement, procurement making a difference or procurement making an impact. You know, There's something in there about the fact that you can do good with procurement. And of course, you can help a corporate save loads of money. And of course, you can get innovation from suppliers coming through. And, and you need to do that as well. Um, this just is a different lens we're looking through. We are seeing that procurement is being seen as a lever to make some of these changes in a way that maybe in the past it wasn't, which is is good to see.
1: Yes, it is good to see. And it was good to have you with us today. Thank you very much for joining us, Duncan Brock, Group Director at SIPS. And thanks to our listeners for joining us as well for Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossbeck, good day.